You're listening to the Douglas Shikoe Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas is beginning a new series called Messianic Judaism, now sharing a lesson entitled, What About the Sabbath? For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. Welcome back to our series on Messianic Judaism, and thank you for all of your emails from around the world uh, expressing that you're learning something or you're enjoying the series. I do appreciate hearing from you. Well, this is time to look at the teaching of the Sabbath. The Messianics say we need to keep the Sabbath today because it's one of the commandments that Jesus told us we had to obey, and it's one of the Ten Commandments. Of course, they're not the only ones who think this. You have the Seventh-day Adventists who came into existence in the 19th century with a similar message about the Sabbath. We want to uh, give this a fair shake. Let's look at the passages. Let's consider this. And uh, we'll end with uh, some thoughts about the good aspects of keeping the Sabbath. Uh, And because it's not, this is not a bad thing. It's really a discussion of How do we interpret the fourth commandment? But it's a little bit more than that. So let's just jump in right now. Sabbatarians, those who say you have to keep the Sabbath, they're correct about the day. They'll they'll say that it's not Sunday, it was Saturday, or technically sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. And that is the seventh day. That's the seventh day of the week. It was never Sunday. In the fourth century, the church created a Sunday Sabbath although Christians had been meeting on Sundays since the very beginning. Sundays was not a legal day of rest or worship. It was a work day. That changed under Constantine, the pagan emperor who was attracted to Christianity. This is in the early 300s. So the idea that there was a Sunday Sabbath, and that's, that's not biblical, is quite true. It, there was no Sunday Sabbath, not until the 4th century, but that's not what the Bible told Christians to follow. Sabbatarians are quite correct. Sabbath is not Sunday. Most Christians, sadly, are ill-schooled in the Old Testament. Look, let's consider another point that's brought up. Paul enters the Sabbath, uh, enters the synagogue on Sabbath uh, when he's in Thessalonica, for example, Acts 17.2. And he goes into the synagogue and he preaches and he comes back the next Sabbath. And actually three Sabbaths. He preaches, and that shows that he's an observant Jew. He's keeping Sabbath. Well, I think it's really missing the point. It doesn't tell us exactly what he thought about the Sabbath. His purpose was to preach to Jews, to the Jews first and then the Gentile. But his purpose was to preach to them, and that's the day they would be together. That was the day of rest. He couldn't get an audience like that on Thursday or Tuesday. It needed to be on Saturday. The early church evangelized on the Sabbath because they always wanted to reach out to those who were familiar with the Scriptures. Now, it's not that they didn't love those with no background, the Gentiles, but the Jews had so many things right. Um, This was a source for leadership and stability, so important to reach those uh, true sons and daughters of Abraham. The gospel was preach to the Jews, a kind of beachhead, and then to the Gentiles, or to change the metaphor, that the Gentiles are grafted in to the olive plant. They're into God's people. 
it is claimed that the day was changed from Saturday to Sunday. Let's say a little bit more about that. Jesus appears after his resurrection. Well, that's Sunday morning, but he appears that evening, John 20, 19, and a week later, the same day. The church begins at Pentecost, which is a Sunday. In Acts 20, verse 7, it says on the first day of the week, the Christians gathered to break bread. They weren't legalistic because they didn't actually break bread until after midnight. There were some delays. <laughs> so it was a Monday communion, but the idea was to do it on Sunday. There's a passage on the first day in 1 Corinthians 16, 2. It's a bit ambiguous, though. And then we have Revelation 1, 10. So the early Christians had a reason for feeling differently about Sunday compared to Saturday or Friday. Sunday's a day that Jesus rose from the dead, and it's when those first appearances took place. It's the day that they met to take communion. In Revelation 1.10, John the Revelator says he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. That word, Lord's Day, in modern Greek, Kyriaki, it's the same word as in the book of Revelation. It's the word for Sunday. It never meant anything else. It means the Lord's Day. Again, Sunday didn't become a so-called Sabbath until 300 years later. So we've not changed the day. It was always Sunday. But Sunday was never a Sabbath until all kinds of crazy things started happening in the fourth century. Now, many will say, oh, no, 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 Douglas. The Sabbath was there from the beginning. It was for Adam. Adam obeyed the Sabbath. There is an ancient Jewish book called the Book of Jubilees where, you know, Adam is, I think it said he's born circumcised and he keeps all the festivals and feasts. I don't know how he did that, being the only one, he and his wife, but from creation. But there's actually no evidence of a Sabbath before the time of Moses. Moses delivered the children of Israel from cruel bondage. Egypt didn't have a Sabbath. They're, they didn't get Saturday off. I don't believe they got any day off as slaves and even most of the workers. Um, what, I, what I understand of Egyptian history, there was no weekend as such. They had a week that may have been 10 days long, but they got some days off each summer, uh, just a few days when the Nile flooded, but there was no day off. Thanks to the teaching of the Torah, uh, we indirectly, we thank them for the weekend. But this is not before Moses. Let me read Nehemiah 9.14. This is a prayer. You came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right, and decrees and commands that are good. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and gave them commands, decrees, and laws through your servant Moses. Well, that's right. It's, that's when we see the Sabbath. There's no Sabbath being kept in Genesis uh, or in Exodus until uh, Moses leads the people out and God gives them the Sabbath. Well, it's not just um, the New Testament passages that we looked at uh, about Sabbath that show that it's a very weak case to say they met on Saturdays. I, I guess you could say, well, they met every day. Acts 2 says they met every day in the temple courts, and but that's informal meeting. Those aren't they're not meeting uh, for uh, you know, communion as, as in a, a day of worship. They're meeting all the time informally. 
But from what we know of early Christian history, they met on Sundays to take communion. That's different. The patristic writers, that is the church fathers, uh, support this view. They confirm that Sabbaths were no longer to be observed by Christians. I'm going to give you three comments that are typical. One is by Ignatius of Antioch in Syria, who was martyred just a few years after the year 100. And he says this, If then those who lived in antiquated practices, if then those who had lived in antiquated practices came to newness of hope, no longer keeping the Sabbath, but living in accordance with the Lord's day, on which our life also arose through him and his death and so forth. He uses that phrase, the Lord's day, kyriaki, that modern Greek word, ancient Greek word for Sunday. I think he's speaking quite clearly there. Now, the epistle of Barnabas, which is also uh, second century, probably early, and he's quoting from the prophets and then he's commenting. I cannot bear your new moons and Sabbaths. You see what he means. It is not the present Sabbaths that are acceptable to me, but the one that I have made. On that Sabbath, after I have set everything at rest, I will create the beginning of an eighth day, which is the beginning of another world. This is why we spend the eighth day in celebration, the day on which Jesus both arose from the dead and, appearing again, ascended into heaven. So that's from the epistle of Barnabas. The eighth day is the day after the Sabbath. And of course, we start the week again. We say Sunday is the first day. But from one perspective, it was uh, viewed, and, and there are many passages like this, as the eighth day. And then from Justin Martyr, who we met earlier, that Samaritan uh, philosopher who became a Christian, and uh, he died for the faith in the middle of the second century. This is what he says. Sunday is the day on which we hold our common assembly, because it is the first day on which God, having wrought a change in the darkness and matter made the world. And Jesus Christ, our Savior, on the same day rose from the dead. For he was crucified on the day before that of Saturn, that is, the day before Saturday, and on the day after that of Saturn, which is the day of the sun, Sunday, having appeared to his apostles and disciples, he taught them many things, which we have submitted to you also for your consideration. He's quite clear here. Uh, Sunday is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. It's also the day that he ascended. Um, but Justin Martyr, how about that? How unlikely that the generation after the apostles forgot the truth about the Sabbath. Yeah, see, for, for Messianic Judaism to be true, uh, because it's, it's just refuted by all the abundant evidence of the second century, the, the generation after the apostles would have had to have lost the thread completely. I think that's unlikely. We looked at Ignatius. Ignatius was a disciple of John, of the Apostle John. And he says, we no longer keep the Sabbath, but live in accordance with Sunday, the Lord's Day. The Epistle of Barnabas is very early. Some people even put it in the first century. But it says very clearly there that they celebrate on the eighth day, not the seventh. That is Sunday, not Saturday. And then we have Justin Martyr, who's speaking very clearly. Besides, the Sabbath receives no emphasis at all in the New Testament documents themselves. If it's so important, isn't it odd that Paul mentions the Sabbath only once in Colossians 2.16? And he says, it's not an issue. 
don't let anyone judge you by, well, on this issue of Sabbath. It's certainly not a matter of salvation or superiority. And we look at Galatians 4, 8 to 11, Paul is upset because the Jewish calendar is creeping back into the church. Days, months, seasons, years. So in Colossians 2 and Galatians 4, it's referring to Sabbath days, Sabbath years, Jubilee years, new moon celebrations, certain things that happen monthly, and then you had the regular festivals. They all point to Jesus. They're all wonderful, but they're not emphasized. Now, I suppose a messianic might say, well, they didn't need to be emphasized because everyone knew you had to obey the commandments, and uh, yeah, maybe, uh, except that the church is becoming Gentile, and most of the Old Testament commands do not carry over. They cannot carry over unless you're living in Israel. And we looked at that in an earlier talk. Now, you may be convinced by what I'm saying. Okay, that's pretty strong evidence, but you may still feel unbalanced uh, as though there's a lack of symmetry. And if you feel that way, let me explain what I mean. Maybe you feel the way I have felt in the past. We feel that all Ten Commandments should apply. Either they should all be repudiated, and if they're not repudiated, then... We need to keep all of them. Now, nine of those commandments from the beginning, worshiping the one God, and the second commandment, no idols, all the way to the end, you know, not to covet, each one is repeated in the New Testament with an, a flagrant and very obvious exception, and that's number four. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. There's this sense that all ten should apply it's kind of asymmetric. Well, four of the first five apply, and five of the second five apply. And yeah, I, I would like to say, no, we need to have it. It's a commandment, and it's not repealed, except that it is repealed. This is what the New Testament and the early church taught. But there are other examples of such asymmetries. And we have the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, and yet the most important commands, Leviticus 19 and Deuteronomy 6, are not there. We have the 12 tribes, except that the tribe of Joseph splits into Ephraim and Manasseh. So you have 11 and two halves tribes. That's awkward. Um, and then the Levites, who don't even have a, a, a territory as such. In the New Testament, we have the 12 apostles. Oh, and then it's down to 11, then it's 12 again. And then Paul comes, one abnormally born, and makes it 13. We have not just one version of the Ten Commandments, we have two, or maybe three. If you look at Exodus 34, nine of the Ten Commands appear in the New Testament. The only one not is conspicuously absent, and that's number four. And that's interesting that this is the only particularly Jewish commandment. We see asymmetries biblically with various numbers, but even in nature. The number of lunar cycles in a solar year is not even. You know, a, the, the, a lunar cycle is normally less than one month. So it's not quite even. We have uh, eight major planets and dwarf planets and other things in our solar system. The Earth's the only one, as far as we know, that's inhabited. Hmm. Wouldn't it be better if they were all inhabited or none? So you might argue for symmetry. You, it feels aesthetically more pleasing to have all 10 commandments, but uh, the world is full of asymmetries. 
just like the mathematics has irrational numbers like pi and e. I think arguments from symmetry have an aesthetic appeal, but they have no logical power. So whether seven, nine, or ten commandments apply today, that's got to be determined by careful Bible study, not by preference for elegance or simplicity, not by aesthetic appeal or tradition. So please think about that. All right. Christianity is a continuation and a fulfillment of Judaism. It's a continuation. It's a fulfillment. And yet there are also, there's also a kind of disjunction. Because in the New Covenant, no longer did Christians have to observe circumcision, eating kosher, and so forth. They didn't have to stay in one land and come three times a year to Jerusalem. Getting our heads around this, that is how the New Covenant relates to the Old. What do we do with the Old Testament scriptures now that we have inspired New Testament scriptures being written? That was difficult for the early Christian leaders sometimes to grasp. And remember, so many of the early Christian leaders were from a Jewish background. Three quarters of the New Testament is written by Jews. All the apostles are Jewish. Jesus is Jewish. The Sabbath, like many other Old Testament components, belongs to the world of shadows. We're called to embrace substance, reality, not shadow. Colossians 2.17. We'll come back to that another time. Sabbath may no longer apply directly. That is, we don't have to take off Friday evening to Saturday evening. No, it's not a bad idea. We don't have to make sure those who violate the Sabbath are executed. We don't have to have a Sabbath year every seven years where we don't work. We don't work, plant our fields. We don't have to have a Jubilee year that is after every seven times seven years where whatever property we've acquired goes back to the those whose land it was originally. I mean, it's not practical to apply these things. Sabbath may no longer apply, but there's still a spiritual principle for us to implement. And this, this hints at the, the freedom that Moses brought when he led a slave nation. Well, they weren't even a nation, a people of slaves, and led them out of the land of bondage. We are not machines. It crushes the spirit. Uh, it wears us down. We need to set aside time for the Lord. For Torah-observing Jews, Sabbath, Shabbat, was a kind of quiet time, a family time, but a time for prayer and study of the Word, especially the Torah, and that dominated the day. In the Jerusalem Talmud, this is a couple centuries after Jesus, we read, the Sabbaths were given to Israel in order that they might study Torah. Many Jews made this quality family time, even opening their homes to non-Jews. You know, having a day a week, it'd be great to have even more than one, where work is not impinging, where we can focus on relationships and family. That's great. Shabbat is rest, yet not laziness. In the creation account, the Lord rests from his labor on the seventh day. Not that he's tired, but it doesn't mean he wasn't doing anything. In fact, Jesus said he's at work even to this day. He was still working. It's rest, not laziness. Sabbath is devotion to God, not work. It's for study and prayer. It's not a burden. And for those who have families, it's a time to share. 
You may know people who have a different view, who truly believe that one day is more special than another, who truly believe in the Sabbath as binding, or they may have a view about Easter or maybe a Jewish festival. Romans 14, verses 5 to 6. Yes, we can proclaim the truth, but we don't have the right to judge someone else's servant. We need to be gracious and understanding with those who may have a different view about holy days. We've seen abundant evidence that the early church did not observe the Sabbath as a Christian ordinance. No, that was part of the first covenant, but not the second. If you'd like to go further, I've got a podcast, which I'll link at the webpage. Uh, it's on holiness. Not just holiness as a lifestyle, but the Old Testament distinction between holy people and ordinary people, holy places, ordinary places, holy things, unholy things, between holy times and unholy times. And my thesis is that that distinction has been abolished or you could say transformed in the new covenant. So that podcast on holiness, I think, could bring some clarity. Next, in uh, number 10, or lesson number 10, we're going to examine a few more messianic teachings, particularly kosher law, circumcision, and do we have to expect a third temple? Does the temple have to be rebuilt on the Temple Mount? Thank you for listening. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching on Messianic Judaism. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.